Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Rick Benjamin. Brothers and sisters, Rick Benjamin here. I'll tell you more about me as the message goes on. Thank you for being flexible. Thank you for being resilient. Thank you for being wise. Through all of this, thank you, Josh, and the team here for making decisions and leading. God, give us all grace to do your will. If you're a prayer, pray for me. I'm about to do something that's important to me. It's always important to me what happens in this church, and it's always a privilege to speak from the Bible. And so I just pray I'll be able to do it. So pray for me and pray for all of us to be hearers of the word. Because if we are, it'll make us a little more like Jesus than we came in here today and a little closer to him, and a little more equipped to go back out those doors and take Jesus into our world. That's what it's all about. The message begins in 1 John chapter 2. This is the New Living Translation, and I'll just read it. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belong with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true and is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. This month, last month, welcome to August, it's a new month. So in July, Josh Tanner and Mariah Anderson started a teaching series from this letter, 1 John. Mariah taught us how John was one of the fishermen disciples. Remember those guys? Him and his brother James were fishermen. Jesus had a nickname for James and John, the Sons of Thunder. If you know about it, the reason is because they were loud. And they were kind of impulsive guys. And they sometimes, you know, like a lot of us, ready, fire, aim. That's how they open their mouth without thinking sometimes. He was a son of thunder. He was also one of Jesus' closest disciples, maybe his closest friend. And in the very first verses of 1 John, if you have a Bible and you look up there, that which we have seen, that which we have felt, we heard with our own ears, we saw with our own eyes, Jesus, the word of life. John said, I was there. I saw him. I touched him. I heard him. I felt him. He was that close. He was one of the, probably the last living of the original 12 disciples at this time. So he calls them little children all the time. Over in 3 John, verse 1, he said, this letter is from John the Elder. So he wrote this, listen, maybe 60 years after Jesus died on the cross and rose again. He must have been in his 80s or maybe his 90s. He really was an old, old man. So he calls them all children. 
I thought about that. I'm not where John was. No, sir. I'm not the elder. I'm older. I turned 64 in June. Okay. I've been part of this church, and I've been a Christian for over 60 years. That much is true. Been married to my wife, Dolores, just last week for 42 years. That's right. My father, who certainly was the elder and the senior and the patriarch of this church, he passed away almost a year ago now, August 10th. It'll be one year. And we had a glorious funeral for my dad here. He was 96, wasn't he? No, 94. <laughs> Got the number wrong. Dad was 94. Now he's in heaven. I'm so glad he missed out on 2020. Praise the Lord. After the funeral, the funeral we had for my dad here, after that, my boss at work said, Rick, you're the patriarch now. I said, patriarch? That sounds so old. I, I'm not the patriarch. I'm not there. You can call me Rick the Elder, but wait 30 years. Then you can call me that for sure. And I'm so glad my elder and one of my spiritual fathers, Brother Dick Strutz, is here today. He's 90 years old. You're the elder. Amen. Mariah taught how John was writing to warn against a dangerous heresy. We saw some of that in the verse that we read. It was called Gnosticism, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. The Gnostics taught salvation didn't come from faith in Jesus and believing in him. They taught salvation came from this thing they called special knowledge. Like if you were one of the elite and you had this inner wisdom and this arcane knowledge, that's how you were saved. So the word Gnostic means the knowing one. So if you were a Gnostic, yeah, we're the knowing ones. The rest of you lower people out here don't know the stuff that we know. They were like that. John is saying to us, true knowledge comes to everyone. Hallelujah. We're all included through Jesus and the gospel. And the words he uses are important. So John uses the words for knowing 42 times in these five chapters. A bunch of times in this passage right here, five times. So knowing what we really know is important to him. Mariah read this one last week. This is how we know we are in him. That's 1 John 2, 5. That little phrase, this is how we know, occurs nine times in these five chapters. This is how we know. This is how we know. This is how we know the children of God are. This is how we know the truth. I love that. John is emphasizing truths that all of us Christians can really know for sure. It's like he's driving these rebar, iron truths down deep into our foundation. This is how we know. This is how we know. This is how we know. And never doubt it. I love that. Now, these Gnostics also had this weird teaching that human bodies or anything material was evil. So they said Jesus could never have had a human body of flesh. They actually taught that he only appeared to be a human being. They taught that he was really kind of a phantom, like he wasn't really there. That's why John said, I touched him, I felt him, I know him, he was real. So they also taught that since your bodies were evil and bad, they didn't matter. So that meant whatever you did with your body didn't matter. So it led to this weird kind of license to sin. They were just promiscuous and wildly immoral. And they were serving God, they thought. And that was a real bad, it was kind of an extreme grace message. It doesn't matter, whatever you do. Well, you know, a couple weeks ago, Josh taught from chapter 1 about walking in the light. Remember that? God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. And we should walk in the light. 
listen, brothers and sisters, the ideal is don't sin. Okay? That's what we're all shooting for. That's right. But when we do sin, praise God for 1 John 1, 9. Amen? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right. And then last week, Mariah taught from chapter 2 about, about Jesus, really, and how he walked in love and how he's the example to all of us. He's the master. And how he commanded us, love one another. Jesus lived a life of love. And if we really are his followers, we'll walk the way he walked, John said. We'll walk in a life of love. The words for love, 46 times in 1 John. It's the little epistle of love. Like 1 John 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another. We used to sing that. Now, I love this about John's story. After all these decades of knowing Jesus, following him, all these experiences, the son of thunder became the apostle of love. What a transformation. He's not just the loud mouth exploding, not thinking. Now he's the minister of love. And there's a legend about John. Did you know this as an old, old man? The legend is when he got very, very old and he could not walk, they would carry John from church to church. And when they carried him in, he was always saying this, Beloved, let us love one another, for lovers of God. Everyone who loves knows God, because God is love. That was his constant, repeated message. It may be a legend, but it's a good legend, isn't it? The son of thunder became the apostle of love. Okay, verse 18, we already read it. Dear children, the last hour is here. Did you see that? 2,000 years ago, the man said, the last hour is here. Then he said, the last hour has come. So in this year, 2020, a lot of people are asking, are we in the last days? The answer is yes. We're in the last days. I can tell you that. Because John and all the New Testament writers, they believe the last days clock started the first time Jesus came. Ever since he came, we've been living in the last days. Sure enough, on that day of Pentecost, just right after the resurrection of Christ, over in Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up and he preached from the book of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And Peter said, this is that. The last day started 2,000 years ago. So how can we justify this? John says this is the final hour. Peter said the last days have been going for 2,000 years. Okay, I think this is the answer. Peter and Paul and John and all of us should always live like this is the last days. Live every day like it might be your last day on earth. Live ready. Live prepared. Don't wait for the last days. We're in the last days in one way. Live like it's always even like he said the last hour. The real question is, are we in the last days of the last days, right? That's what we're really asking. The answer is no. This is not the end. This is not the great tribulation. This is not persecution. It's not. And I'm going to say something now that I hope comes out in love. This is my challenge to you. If 2020 is too hard for you, you are not yet ready for what actually is coming in this world. Frankly, I'm a little disappointed in us. And I mean us collectively, capital C, church, all of us. This is nothing. 
We haven't seen anything yet. Let this be a wake-up call for all of us. We've got to grow up and get strong and stop whining and be the ones with peace and love in this time. We should be the only people who are not afraid. And we should have enough peace and love to share with everybody around us. Did that come out all right? I love you. But it's time for us to grow up. (laughs) Got to move on. John said in verse 18, you have heard the Antichrist is coming. The Antichrist, capital A. Wow. Many Christians believe that one day there'll be an ultimate Antichrist. A person. Satan's counterfeit Jesus. Satan is the great counterfeiter. One day he'll have a counterfeit Jesus. Paul called him the man of lawlessness. Wow. Revelation 13 calls him the beast. The beast. He'll look like Jesus, but he's really a monster. Wow. Some Christians believe the Antichrist is not a person, but the whole anti-God world system, which is against Christ. It's probably both, as a matter of fact. But John said, many antichrists have already come. Did you see that? The message paraphrase says, well, they're all over the place. Antichrist everywhere you look. What's going on here? This is what I believe. I believe every generation, from his generation to ours, has had antichrists. Many of them have come into the world, he said. In his generation, the Antichrist was easy. It was Caesar over there in Rome. They were evil. They were idolaters. They were immoral. They declared themselves to be gods. You had to worship the Caesar. And if you didn't and you worshiped Jesus, you got persecuted and killed. That was the Antichrist. The Roman Empire was the Antichrist. It was. But it wasn't the last Antichrist, don't you see? It was the Antichrist for his generation. When my father became a Christian back in 1945, they knew who the Antichrist was. They told him in his church. By the way, it wasn't Hitler. He was an Antichrist for sure. The one they told my dad was the Antichrist in 1945 was a man named Benito Mussolini, who was the fascist dictator of Italy. And they all thought, that's him, that's him. And they were right. He was an Antichrist, and so was Hitler. They were the Antichrist people and systems of that generation. I remember back in the 80s, the Antichrist was the Ayatollah Khomeini. Oh, man. Remember the hostage crisis and all that? He was the Antichrist. But then later, there was another one, Saddam Hussein. Wow. Somebody said his first name is Saddam. That's awful. Well, he was an Antichrist. Don't you see, every generation has had an Antichrist, and we know that, and we're not afraid. I believe all these Antichrists are only glimpses and foreshadowings of the ultimate Antichrist, the one that is to come, that John said. But John is warning about something else in his generation. He's talking about Antichrists who come to us in the form of false teachers, like the Gnostics we're talking about. Verse 26, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. And John said, this is how we know it's the last hour. He said, there's so many false teachers and so many antichrists running around. This is how we know it's the last hour. How could he say that? Because John was there 60 years before, see? When Jesus took him and the 12 
up on that hill called the Mount of Olives. They look down the city of Jerusalem. And it's there in Matthew 24. You can write it down. Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And he told them. Jesus opened his mouth, and John was sitting there when Jesus gave this answer. And listen to the first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth. He told them, don't let anyone deceive you. Many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, and they'll deceive many. The first sign of the times Jesus gave them was these false Christs and false prophets and teachers. And other ones too, like wars and earthquakes and and real plagues and so on that are going to come. And all of these, Jesus said, they're just the beginning of birth pains, he said. They're just labor pains. It's just the beginning. The end is not yet. Wow. So John said, I remember that. Up on that Mount of Olives, Jesus, the first thing he said was, false Christ, false messiahs. So John said, this is the last hour. They're everywhere. It's what Jesus said. Well, guess what? In our generation, we got a lot of antichrists. We got a lot of false teachers and a lot of heretics and a lot of cults. And this is the last hour, beloved. Yes, it is. Just like it was for him. Here's another suggestion from Rick, the almost elder, all right? Maybe we should spend less time and less energy trying to figure out who the final Antichrist will be and beware of the Antichrist we have around us right now. Now, here's what John said about responding to them. First of all, he did not say to fear them. He's not afraid of them. We shouldn't be afraid of them. I'll tell you the reason why in a minute. I will, too. And John did not say, learn all about the false Christ, study them, write papers about them, start a website about them, travel around the country writing books against them and all their heresies. Nothing like that. I see no reason for any of us to get all expert on a bunch of lies and then make that our specialty in our ministry and our purpose. No. What did he say? He said, We should be aware of them. They're out there. He even said, did you see this? He said, some of the false Christ went out from us. Did you see that? They used to go to church with us, he said. And then they went out, and now they're false Christ. And he said, they never were really with us. I'm going to say it this way. False Christians can become false Christ. And sure enough, in church history, most of the great cults, if you want to call them great, Those founders started out in Christian churches, and they left, they got hurt, they got mad, or they got proud, they got deceived, and they went out from us, they weren't really of us, and they started these false Christian churches. Amazing. Finally, John told us how to identify them. How do you know if it's a false Christ or not? One question, very simple, actually. Here it is. Who is a liar? Verse 22. He called him a liar. The apostle of love still had some thunder. (laughs) He called them liars. All right. Who is a liar? It says anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. That's it. Anyone who denies the Father and Son is an antichrist. Over in the little epistle of 2 John, he wrote that one too, verse 9. I say this because many deceivers have gone into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. There. That's the test. You want to decide if a church 
a religion, a pastor, a book, a cult, or a preacher, all you have to do is ask this question. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus? If the answer to that question is anything besides Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, he is God in flesh, he's the God-man, any other answer, that religion, you can take this to the bank, or that church, or that cult, or that teacher are not Christian and might even be anti-Christian. That's how you know. I'll tell you a story about this. It's a good story. I'm part of a pastor's fellowship. I have been for 30 years in Anchorage. We meet every week. One time we're all there having this pastor's lunch. There's about 20 pastors there, I guess. And there was a new guy there. And he announced that he was from this movement that we all knew was a cult, straight up, who didn't have the right answer to that question. But we also heard there was something happening in his movement. We heard about it, that maybe the Lord was getting through to them. So one of the pastors said to this man, Sir, who do you say Jesus is? Now this man, his name was Leonard. You remember Leonard. And later on we became good friends. And I said to Leonard, this is like a year later, when he asked you that question, what was going through your mind? He said, I knew why he was asking it, and I thought, I better get this right. <laughs> and he opened his mouth and he said, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's the Lamb of God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. I worship him. He said as fast as he could, as much as he could. And then the man said to him, welcome, brother. And that's all it takes, just like that. And by the way, the story is, sure enough, in that man's movement, without any of us railing on them or writing books against them or debating them, God himself, by the Holy Spirit and the Bible, got through to them about grace and about salvation and about who Jesus really was. It was a great story. Leonard was part of it. And three-fourths of their members left and started new cults. It took great guts and courage for those leaders to adopt the truth and go forward. That's another story. That's the answer. I've got a good friend in this area. that I've, He's been my friend for over 20 years. He's part of another cult. But, of course, he thinks he's a Christian. This happens a lot. So we talk about this back and forth over and over. He'll say, I am a Christian. I'll say, no, you're not. You worship a different Jesus. I mean, we're that kind of friend. We've gone through this in detail, and the Jesus he talks about is not the Jesus we're talking about here today, not God in flesh, not Almighty God. And I say to him, you know, the Jesus I'm talking about is my God. I worship him like he's deity. I pray to him. I ask him to forgive my sin. I ask him to heal me. I don't just praise him and talk about him and admire him. He is God. We sang it today. Jesus, our God unstoppable. Did you hear us saying that? We declared it. And my friend can't say those words. He can't sing those songs. He doesn't worship Jesus because it's not the same Jesus. All right. The answer to that question, who is Jesus, draws a line between what is Christian and what is not Christian or even anti-Christian. That's right. In 2 John, he said, if anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Wow, pretty negative. Maybe you have a doorbell. This is the, 
Antichrist coming to knock on your door. They knock on my door too sometimes, sure. Ask them one question, who is Jesus? If the answer is not he's the son of God, God in flesh, the God man, say God bless you, maybe not, bye, see you later. But there's a positive way to understand this, and I learned this a long time ago from a man of God in Anchorage who was the pastor at Anchorage First Presbyterian Church, Dr. Tom Tepley. And he taught me this. He said that line between what is Christian and what is not Christian also draws a circle. A circle. Inside the circle is everyone who confesses that Jesus is the Christ. Outside, they're not Christians yet. They're even anti-Christian. They're the false Christ. Okay. But inside the circle, like he said in verse 23, anyone who acknowledges that the Son has the Father also. So outside the circle... There's no unity. We're not one with people outside the circle. It's not possible. They don't have the one spirit. Not even real relationship, except maybe like my example of my friend. I still have relationship with him because I'm trying to get him inside the circle. Amen. And he knows that. And, of course, he's trying to get me inside of his circle too. So it doesn't always work out, but that's how it is. But here's the positive way to look at it. Inside the circle, there's real unity. And real fellowship, just like that pastor said, welcome, brother. Because that man said all he needed to say to know you and I are brothers. And guess what? Inside the circle, there's a lot of differences. Have you noticed? (laughs) And a lot of disagreements and a lot of important things to talk about. But we're all inside the circle. Praise the Lord. And in there, there's real unity in Jesus and real fellowship in the Spirit. And my question to you today is, are you inside the circle? I'm asking you the question, who is Jesus Christ to you? Somebody you admire, a great teacher, someone you're trying to imitate? Or is he like Thomas said on his knees, my Lord and my God? We'll leave it there. Okay. He said in verse 21, I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, because you know the difference between the truth and lies. I'll slow it down. You know the difference between the truth, and the lies. How did John know that? How could he say that? How could he say, you guys already know the truth? Answer, verse 20, the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. Did you see that? Verse 27, you received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. You don't need anyone to teach you what is true. The Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. This is why we're not afraid. Because God has given every believer inside every one of us the spirit of truth. Wow. So I'm calling this message today the false Christ and the true spirit. The word in verse 27 is the word chrisma. It means anointing, like oil. You have received the anointing, he said. Now, what is that all about? In the Old Testament, when God called someone to do something special, They would get anointed with oil, literal oil, like olive oil. Priests, prophets who were going to speak for God, kings of Israel, anointed with oil. They were called the Lord's anointed. But guess what? When that oil came on them, the real oil came on them. The real oil of God's Holy Spirit came on them to be a priest, to be a prophet, to be a king. Even Jesus had to be anointed by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the chrism. He became the Christ. Wow, to empower them to be and do what God wanted them to be and do. And guess what? 
Now that includes all of us. I declare to you all, you are anointed. <laughs> You've received the anointing. We use that word other times like, Ellie, when you were singing today, it was really anointed. Yeah, I know what that means. It means God blessed you and touched you by the Spirit, and you hear that was an anointed message. That was an anointed song. Sure, but we're all in the anointed program, every one of us, all the time. The Holy Spirit remains in us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. And again, how could John say this? Because again, John was there 60 years before in that upper room. The night before Jesus died on the cross, John was there. In fact, John said he was leaning on Jesus, like right next to Jesus. And John heard Jesus say these words, John 14. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. You know him because he lives with you, and later he'll be in you. John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He'll tell you what he has heard. He'll tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. John said, that's right. And I was also there that day, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, and he filled me and Peter and all of us, and he never left. He's still here, and he's in all of God's people. So he said, you, every one of you, Garden variety, unknown, anonymous Christian. You have the Holy Spirit, the anointing in you. And he'll take care of you. He'll teach you. You got it made. Because here's why. The Holy Spirit is the real deal. Amen. When he said, you don't need anyone to teach you, people misunderstand that verse. I don't need you to teach me, Josh Tanner. I don't need you to teach me, Mariah. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you don't need to hear what people had to say. You need to hear the truth, even sometimes by spirit-filled, spirit-anointed teachers and pastors and so on. Even in these words, John himself was by inspiration of the Holy Spirit teaching us, sure. The Holy Spirit is real and genuine and true. He's not fake. He's not counterfeit. He's not false. The Greek word is pseudos. He's not the pseudo-spirit. He's the real deal. And you know what, beloved? If you have the real thing, you don't need the counterfeit. Amen? Who needs that stuff outside the circle? We have the real truth, the spirit of truth inside of us here. You know why they make counterfeits? Because the genuine article is so valuable. That's why. They don't make counterfeit $17 bills. There's a reason for that. They have no value. Why is the devil counterfeiting churches and religions and even Christ? Because it's all so tremendously valuable. And we have the real deal now. The real gospel, the real Bible, the real Jesus. We don't need anything else. And this is why you and I don't have to be afraid. I'm not afraid. Because I know who's inside of me and I know what I believe. And none of this stuff bothers me. And that's the way we're supposed to be. The false Christ and the true spirit... I say no contest. Bring on all the Antichrist you got. I got the real spirit inside of me. And the message paraphrase says, they're no match for what is embedded deeply in you, which is Christ's anointing. And later on he says, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Same epistle, same John. That's right. Now here comes this very important word, if. Two letters, small word, very important. If 
we keep following the true spirit and keep listening as he teaches us and guides us into all truth, we will be fine in these last days. I love this kind of message. You can tell. I get passionate. I get loud. Sorry. Why? Because I know how important it is for Christians to know what you believe and why you believe it. For Christians to know who you believe. To have a strong foundation with all that rebar pounded all the way down. If you have that strong foundation inside, it won't threaten you to encounter the false Christ or the people at your door or anything else in the last days. Even the last days of the last days. That's how you get through the last days of the last days. You have the spirit and the truth deeply inside of you. When I'm around cultics, I don't freak out. Ooh, you're one of them. I ask them, who is Jesus? And let's talk about that. You know what I think? I think many of us get fearful around cults because we're not truly convinced of what I believe inside of me. And when I hear this cult thing, it threatens me. It makes me afraid. So I become defensive and I argue. None of that's necessary. Don't be afraid. He's telling them, I know you got this because you got him right inside of you. Here's our responsibility. Oh, by the way, I got to say this. I'm so excited about the foundry. We're teaching some leaders around here again. Yay! And I'm one of the teachers, by the way. Rick, the almost elder over here. That's right. And I'll be teaching Bible doctrine all the way through. And the objective is everyone who leaves that class knows what they believe and why they believe it. And they're not afraid. They're equipped to go out into this world no matter what happens. Hallelujah. Our responsibility is to remain. That was the word at the end, verse 24. We're coming to our response now. You must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If, there's that word again, if you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son, with the Father. Verse 27, just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Listen to the message paraphrase. Stay with what you heard from the beginning, the original message. Let it sink into your life. If what you heard from the beginning lives deeply in you, you will live deeply in both Son and Father. The word means to remain, to abide. Remember that old King James word, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. It's that word. Remain faithful. Remain in the church, in the truth. And he said, if you do, you have fellowship with the Son and the Father and one another. There's an if there. Some Christians choose not to remain. It happens. You've got to make a commitment. Lord, I commit myself to remain, to abide in you, to abide in the truth and fellowship with you and one another. Okay, I'm almost done. Come back next time. Learn about the wonder and the power of being a child of God, how you can know you are God's child for sure. If you're questioning that, be here. You need that message. Behold the manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Amen. John, the son of thunder, now he's the elder, the apostle of love. He wrote 1 John to warn about many false Christs coming in this last hour. We don't have to fear. Just be aware and know how to identify the false Christ. What do you believe about Jesus? We don't have to fear because the anointing, the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives in us, teaching us the truth. That's the message today.
the false Christ and the true spirit. Let's pray. Amen. Please close your eyes. I'll lead us in a prayer. I wrote this prayer this week. I chose words I think we can all pray together. Just listen before you say the words, of course. Make sure it comes from your conscience. I'll lead us in this prayer together, and then we'll close the service. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus, your son who came in the flesh to live and die for me. Jesus, I do worship you, my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for the Bible. It feeds me and challenges me. Thank you for the true Holy Spirit who lives inside of me and leads me into all truth. Help me to be strong inside and not afraid in these last days. Help me to remain in you. And thank you for remaining in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.